0: Hello and welcome to Movie Autopsy. My name's Paul Culliver. My co-host is Anthony McCormack. You'll hear from him in a second. Now, this episode of Movie Autopsy uh, was recorded before we even spun it off into Movie Autopsy. So originally it was an episode of my daily podcast, Bath Time. The movie today is... The Imitation Game. welcome to bath time today
1: that is yet to be proven
0: uh that you're welcome
1: well if you think so (laughs) i do think so purple is a good color (laughs) what is happening what am i am i real or am i clever bot (laughs) that's what i understand the imitation game to be right
0: i see okay uh yeah so uh were talking about this as we exited the cinema did you do some more research no
1: absolutely (laughs) none whatsoever
0: Uh, Probably should have done that. Um, So we've just gone to see the Imitation Game uh, in Melbourne at uh, probably one of the first screenings. Uh, You you know, don't want to brag, don't want to show off. Uh, Let me
1: just breathe on my hand and wipe it against my chest
0: But you could tell <laughs> it was an important screening Because Jeffrey Rush was there Oh, that's true I talked about this on... Uh, now, I don't know exactly when this episode's going to air Because we don't know when the embargo is lifted
1: Oh, I don't think there is an embargo <laughs> There's no embargo <laughs> but, but we're holding on to it just in, in, in good taste and decency terms Alright, so it's all
0: about Alan Turing Who... Uh, Turing? Turing? Mm -hmm. Turing, Mm. who uh, during World War II, he cracked the Enigma machine, which was basically uh, the encryption kind of typewriter machine that the Germans used. They'd type in uh, coordinates or whatever, you know, that they were going to transmit over the radio, and then uh, it would spit out just
1: gobbledygook to anyone else. Now, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but what I didn't realise, and it comes out in this movie, Mm. is that um, for a really long time, no one actually realised that they'd done it. Like, they, they, they cracked Enigma, and they didn't actually go around telling everyone, hey, uh, we uh, cracked it. Like, obviously, during the war, they don't tell, you know, hey, yeah. don't tell Fritz, but we've got, you know, a handle on his whole Enigma situation. But even after the war ended, they're like, oh, I guess we can tell our family, our relatives about the," And they're like, no. No. <laughs> Because, I mean, you know, in, in, in 10 years' time, we're obviously going to do this again, and we're hoping the Germans bring Enigma back. Right, right. So, let's
0: enter our spoiler-free zone. It's a bit of a weird one. I mentioned this uh, on episode- must have been episode 110, where I, I told our stories about running into Jeffrey Rush uh, and all of that sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, in episode 110, when I'd just come back from it, um, we t- I talked about the fact that it's weird sort of having an embargo or talking about uh, a historical movie- because is it really a spoiler alert? Because you should just already know the story. Yeah. But I guess it's only, like, been 20 years or so since the story's come out. <laughs> so, you know, if you haven't got around to reading it in the last 20 years, you know, you might not know. Mm. So, let's enter. We'll just be like, well, look, you might already know the story anyway. Because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really add anything. It's just the biopic. But let's enter it in case you want to experience the imitation game. Which is pure... Just not being naive about everything. The, uh,
1: the spoiler zone: two go in, two come out. It's a, it's three, a lot. Three go in, three go, three go in. And everyone you're, gets out you're, safely. They're ignoring. I'm become your NIN listener. You're, yeah, welcome, you're, right to, there, you're welcome to. You're uh, welcome to. You can't leave, though. Just to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, the stakes are much lower in the spoiler zone. There's uh, no chainsaws.
0: A really good way of these not being spoilers, Anthony, is mm-hmm. if you've seen the movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we'd suggest if you have got to continue listening anymore. You've seen the movie, okay? That's the rules for these uh, these these shows we do. Um, so, Alan Turing, uh, he breaks the Enigma code, uh, the Enigma machine even. Who doesn't break the machine? That would be really yeah, bad. Yeah, that would be terrible. Because <laughs> uh, they, they would be really screwed. Alan, you're fired. <laughs> Which is something that Charles Dance wanted to do throughout the entire movie. Oh, yeah. I was talking to someone about the movie. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's Benedict Cumberbatch and Keira Knightley and Charles Dance.
1: Being Charles Dance. <laughs> I love that Charles Dance is a name now. Like, it used to be a niche thing because he, he did uh, Last Action Hero and Alien 3, and he, prop- he, he, he came uh, up in all of these kinds of parts. And, and I think there was a story at one stage that he was w- who directors in Hollywood got if Alan Rickman was asking too much money. <laughs> That's great. But um, but now because of the whole Game of Thrones thing, like Charles Dance isn't a thing that you drop, and everyone there's just like crickets and like you know a a, a t- turn what's it called the wind thing that tumbleweed tumbleweed, tumbleweed the tumbleweed yeah. goes past uh, and you say no no one Alien Three <laughs> and then and then someone shouts out from the back of the room you suck <laughs> <laughs> well
0: but, it's, it's the Game of Thrones effect isn't it because yeah. he plays if you don't know who Charles Dance is by name now. He uh, plays uh, Tyrion. T- no, not Tyrion. What's he called? Tywin. Um, Tywin. Tywin so, and it was a Lannister. T word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but um, na- this is really dumb, but when I used to read books, and even with like Game of Thrones and bo- stories and stuff, when there are two names that start with the same letter, it really messes me up. Mm-hmm. So that's why. So Tywin Lannister, father of uh, Jamie and Tyrion. Yep. Uh, so if you don't know that by now, you like if you haven't made the as in I'm saying if you haven't connected the dots by now we can't help you
1: and uh and it's when his name comes up in the credits I I, I felt it myself and I don't know if I was imagining things but I felt like a, just a ripple Go through the cinema (laughs) and people go, oh, okay. Oh, it's going to be a good one. It was a
0: good cinema to see, like, uh, uh, the aesthetics of it. We saw it at Rivoli. But also, um, I don't know if aesthetics is the right word, of of the the space. The atmosphere. The atmosphere. But also the people. People were on. That was a good crowd.
1: Yeah, a good crowd. Because I
0: think you can go to sometimes these kind of screenings or just cinemas generally and they're a bit cold or they don't get it or they're not on board. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, there's a lot of funny moments in this movie. But they can be a little bit subtle. Like, they're not like, ah, it's a joke. <laughs> it's kind of like a lot of funny repartee. And the audience was on board, which was great. Yeah. So I think it's a movie that if you really want to enjoy it fully, you know what I mean? Like, if you're just sitting at home, but it's like you probably wouldn't laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. But if you're in the right cinematic environment, you're like, "That was a funny bit of banter." <laughs>
1: funny, funny.
0: <laughs> I, was jo- I was gonna say, I was gonna say joke, but there's no real jokes in there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's it's uh, it's just fun- funny riposte. Yeah. Is that the right word? I like it.
1: <laughs> I, if you had nas, is that the right word? I would have. Oh, Paul just taught me a new word. <laughs> <laughs> I think reposter. It? Yeah, it sounds. I'm good. trying to
0: look up. So, is Charles? Do you know of Charles Dance is he got a sort of a, a like a Shakespearean, a, a classic actor kind of background?
1: I would have to. I would have to imagine <laughs> so. With a voice, it's such an incredible voice. I
0: just want to throw this in. This isn't related to the Imitation Game, but it is very much related to Charles Dance. I get a sense from him that he seems very much like who Ian Richardson would have been, like, 20 years ago. Now, if you don't Mm. know Ian Richardson, he played the original Frank Urquhart in the House of Cards, the British version. And he was, like, the severest, scariest motherfucker ever. Right? Oh. Like, if you enjoy the current House of Cards with Kevin Spacey- Holy shit, go back to the British, the BBC version. Like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the original's better, whatever. No, seriously. Ian Richardson was like a classically trained actor, and towards the end of his career, because he died not that long after this um, series ended, sort of in the like 10 years uh, ensuing, uh, kind of, so it was kind of his, his biggest and most famous bit. But any- anyway, my point is that basically, Charles Dance, I feel like, is a similar sort of role in that his, he's evil. He's, he's very... He's evil or he's just very... Uh, he's just a lot of presence. And also mm. he yeah, has that kind of Shakespearean feel about him. Um, and I just wanted to draw that parallel just because of it kind of ha- sprung up in my mind. But also, I'm kind of sad that Ian Rich I know there's a bit of a tangent, but uh, sad that Ian Richardson have, has died because it never means I'll get to do like a crossover between like the old Frank Urquhart and the new yeah. Francis Underwood. yeah But... Let's get Charles Dance to play... Fra- I'm just... That's what I'm saying. Let's do a yeah. crossover episode.
1: I, on, the, on the risk of going off on a wild tangent... <laughs> Which I just have. No, well, that's... I'm following you. Um, I don't think I truly appreciated Ian Richardson's, you know... I, it, it's like John Gilgood as well. Like, these these people who have such a high stature and they're so... You know, I, I'm posh for a better word. Mm posher than posh spice which is pretty posh <laughs> that's pretty posh um but you don't really like for ian richardson for me it was brazil mm. and seeing him in brazil and he plays like this, this this bureaucratic kind of guy but he plays him with such a dark sardonic kind of humor that you forget that, that these old men are actually you know the, the reason that they've ended up in an acting kind of career, is that they're children, basically, in in, in the best way possible. Like they've got these mm. young souls and these incredible senses of humor, which which is what excites me about Charles Dance. Is yeah. that he he plays these terrible characters, but you imagine like Cart and Charles just, like having a chuckle,
0: yeah. <laughs> kind of like uh, <clears throat> I feel like say so, like we get to see the fun side of Brian Cranston. Yeah. Do you think it's a similar thing where yeah. Brian Cranston is like he is like Walter White and I'm sure a lot of the uh his future roles will be like this serious, intense, but then you see him on like Letterman or something and he's like the funniest like person yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh and then you're like, How do you go to these dark, dark places? And then you're like pulling pranks on Aaron Paul and all this <laughs> sort of thing. Uh going naked in the in the uh
1: Winnebago. Um one of my favorites as well, and this is going way off on a, on the end of the limb of this tangent that we yeah. from the seed that we planted. Uh, Derek Jacobi, Sir Derek Jacobi, plays this role, which basically sums up everything that we're talking about on uh, on Frasier. It's an episode of Fraser, and he mm. guest stars, and it's one of the best things I've ever seen because obviously he's bringing his Sir Derek Jacobi cred to this, you know, situation, and he plays this actor that Fraser remembers seeing as a kid, and, like, oh, my God, he's an incredible stage actor, and uh, times are tough for, you know, in-universe Sir Derek Jacobi. I don't know what his name is in the episode. Mm. And Fraser's saying saying, that's not right. He should not be, you know, on the outer. He should be, I, I am going to help him. I'm going to champion. I'm going to... Uh, there's a word for it, uh, patron. I'm going to patronise him. I'm going to put some money behind him and, and, and let him do his show because I have such fond memories of when I was a child and, and he's an incredible actor. And the first thing that Fraser sees him doing, like acting-wise... He's terrible. He's the worst.
0: <laughs> see, Wait, said- so he, play- he doesn't play himself? Or no, he-
1: he's Sir Derek Jacobi playing the world's worst Shakespearean actor. Oh, okay, I see. I see. Wounds, <laughs> it. It's just <laughs> through the roof. It's incredible.
0: Oh, that's great. So let's, let's 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 head back. Let's all head right. back to all right. Uh, World War Two, Britain. Be-
1: Benedict Pumpkin Patch is playing Alan Turing. I didn't know the Alan Turing story going into this movie. I was so vague about it that that you were you were wording me out, Paul, and you were like, "Yeah." no,
0: I kind of feel bad about that. Did did me wording up because I did kind of give you the basic nuts and bolts, which was really all I had as well. Yeah. I don't know, I felt bad about that as
1: we went into the movie I was like, oh, this really is the movie, me telling you all these plot points Oh no, it was, I liked it I could see how that there's a there's a kind of a revelation and, and this is good for, if you haven't seen the movie If you know nothing about Alan Turing, maybe you want to keep this fresh right? We have pre-worn spoilers uh, but he he is a uh, homosexual gentleman. He prefers the company
0: right. Of men. and I told you about that, and that doesn't really come into play until like halfway through the movie. They don't even mm. really even suggest at it
1: and but that's i I enjoy that. They're kind of t- there's a romance, if you want to call it that, there's a relationship between him and Kira Knightley. Mm. and there's like tension enough without him being a homosexual man. In a a time when it was illegal. In a time when it was illegal. But if you know in the back of your head that, hey, you know, he eventually... And it's sort of a question of are they homogenising this for, you know, the the film? Mm. Because there are cases of films being made about, I think it was um, the Russell Crowe one, A Beautiful Mind. Mm. There was some sort of sexuality and they were like, we've got enough things going on in this movie without adding... It's interesting you mention that
0: because I feel like there's a lot of parallels... To A beautiful mind mm. to this one, don't you think? It just, I mean, in the, it's the un- misunderstood genius kind of element. The, both John Nash and Alan Turing like revolutionized maths and science, uh, and it's so I just, it has a lot of similar beats to the movie, yeah. so it's interesting that you also mentioned that, yeah.
1: And what I really like about it, and, and it's that kind of biopi- biopic, biopic, biopic. Yeah, I never know. Never know. Biopic. I always biopic. say it twice and and varied up so it sounds like I know what I'm doing.
0: Well, bi- well, bi- well, well, wow. Wow. <laughs> Maybe Alan Turing is a
1: biopic. Wow, wow. Um is that <laughs> kind I don't know. is that kind of where it's the biggest story and it's the smaller story and the and the big story is told through the lens. Like in the same way that, you know, they have their discovery. And 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 in Alan Turing's case, the discovery is is the imitation game, mm. and so the the movie is actually told through the lens of, and you know, he has that kind of speech towards the end, and and sometimes it's done really shuddily, and and in this case, I I didn't think it was done terribly, mm. but it was the kind of thing of, now you tell me, am I a man or am I a machine?
0: Yeah, and I think. Uh, to be honest, I really liked how the Rory Kinnear character, like that guy that, you know, he was like, oh, he's up to something. Alan's got a secret. And then when he finds out what the secret is and he does that whole thing and the Rory Kinnear character is actually like, he's remorseful. He's like, I didn't, I yeah. didn't, this is not what I signed up for. This yeah. is, I'm not putting away a criminal. I mean, technically I am, but I, wanna, I thought that was like. Very redemptive
1: of him It was I I liked that it ended that scene with you liking Rory Kinnear Because I felt that too I was like, oh, Rory Kinnear, he's a good guy And then the very next scene is the newspaper You know, found guilty of it So obviously, like, the conclusion is that he's been found guilty on the charges he's been brought in on but you still, the scene still ends with enough time for you to say, I like Rory in here. Well,
0: yeah, it was that thing of, like, clearly that character, or that, you know, that person in history, like, he, even if he, whether that's how he was or not, yeah. Um, once they'd found it, it was like there was nothing he could do to, to stop. I think it was, because really what was it, he went in there to see if he was like, well, I don't care about this gay thing, there's something else. And yeah. then when he found out there was nothing else, he's like, I can't save you from...
1: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm with you You know I'm
0: what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah It was like, yeah
1: You're a fantastic man, Mr. Turing Too bad you're gay <laughs>
0: Pretty much yeah. But, you know, I was trying to think now This is the thing is that it's bookended Because at the very start of the movie It's got that bit from uh, Alan Turing saying now uh, Listen closely I'm not going to repeat myself You know, that kind of little monologue thing And that's all in voiceover It's never made clear exactly where that's meant to fall in the story but my assumption is that's meant to be the preface to like the prelude to alan explaining it to the Rory Kinnear character
1: yeah well that's what i got is as that, well is yeah because i f- i feel like he said now listen carefully and they didn't repeat what he'd said at the start right. but in other words the listen carefully was him going back to the right start. so
0: that's the kind of saying okay good good to wrap that I, little bit I, up.
1: I do like they do jump around a bit and you
0: yeah do- and that took me a while to realize i yeah. think You know what, and maybe I was dumb about it because I think they maybe put in the the years as little
1: uh, here and there, yeah.
0: but at at first it jumps around a bit and I
1: wasn't quite getting a handle on it. I I like that you grasped what was happening in a scene without knowing where it
0: fell. Yeah, Yeah.
1: which is that's the thing is because
0: then by the end of it, you can piece it together. yeah, And I think that's the idea behind it. Um, so that's very cool. Um, and yeah, also the locations, like I was confused, like, are they in Manchester? Are they in London? Where, where's Bletchley radios? Is that, was that in London or Manchester? That was just me probably not following it as closely as, it was like, they gave the clues early on and then after that they stopped referring to it. And so, I was confused because then when they were hanging out in town- te- This is me uh, just uh, having been to London and Manchester. Uh, <laughs> Manchester. Um, I think that's more Liverpool. I don't know what that is.
1: Uh, <laughs> if you need I- to breathe on your hand and rub it on your <laughs> chest, now is the time. I
0: couldn't- Yeah, I couldn't quite figure out where Bletchley Radio is, whether it was closer to London or Manchester. Anyway, it doesn't. it's a minor, minor point. Mm. Um, so, let's move on. Um, but- yeah, so there was the gay thing in that- So this is the thing, is what I said to you early on, or before we even got into it, was uh, there's been a little bit of discontent about the movie. Yeah. Um, because it supposedly kind of shits on Alan Turing's memory a little bit um, by suggesting that, and I think what the line I actually read was, uh, and what they were saying is it suggests that um, Benedict, or Alan, rather, not Benedict, Benedict's fine, Alan was- um, trading secrets to the Russians in order to keep his, uh, homosexuality a secret. Ah, oh, okay. The thing is, though, that whole storyline is dealt with very quickly at the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's ve- it's, it's not necessarily rushed, but it's not given a lot of screen time. You know what I mean? Like, that's all resolved within a couple scenes. hmm Uh, it goes from- because it's, it's slightly suggested when, at first, Charles Dance is, like, there's a mole, or there's a spy or whatever, yeah, But I, I th- at that point, I don't think anyone in the city Like, I, I wasn't suspecting... I didn't feel like the sim- the movie was trying to tell me that that was actually out, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I kind of... The, the Enigma thing, it seemed pretty important, intelligence-wise. And if you've got a mole in that room, you know what I mean? Like, you can afford to have moles in certain kind of rooms. But when, um, you know, Benedict... They open up his desk and and, and there's nothing in his desk. He's like, well, all right, but we'll keep an eye on you. I kind of felt like, Noel, if you've got evidence that there's a mole, maybe you should take care of this now before you crack the enigma. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Obviously, the plot, you know, goes to a certain place where you can say, okay, maybe there were other things going on, that they actually wanted the mole there and blah, 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 blah. Um. But I I was so naive about the whole thing that you you were saying, um, uh, in the end, um, and and this was outside of the movie, you know, you were giving me the the dope on it, uh, and you were saying, uh, he ended up getting a pardon, like, posthumously. Mm. And I said, um, a pardon for what? And you said, Anthony, keep up. I told you already he was gay. Mm. And it took me a while to connect those two dots that, oh, yeah, it used to be a crime. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> it's the whole thing of the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. so it's, it's the thing. He went away, and, well, no, he didn't. go. He, as we find out, he, yeah.
1: I think it was um, it say chemical
0: castration, and then he. Yeah,
1: it was in the 60s. I, thi- I want to say 1967 that this ended. So it was up to 67 that it was a crime to be gay.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, in the UK. Hmm. Uh, and then it said it was kept for, secret for 50 or the whole Enigma thing. So that puts it at about 1995 ish.
1: Mm, and I and guess. what's terrible, the chemical castration, as you were saying, and, and that he takes his own life, and you say to yourself, under different circumstances, you know, under a, like a 2014 kind of Russell Brand government, would Alan Turing have done better?
0: Russell Brand government.
1: Well, that's. I mean, that's where we're all heading. Yeah. All well,
0: hail Brand, uh, king of it's earth. Not gonna
1: happen. That's, I don't know. Please don't. We'll see.
0: Um. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The what if, like, what if he'd gone to jail for two years and they'd taken the machine away and then he built it again and you know everything. But I mean, the fact is that it's obviously a lot of what ifs and stuff. But the fact is, it was like it was funny when he was talking about like. Uh, when he said that thing about, like, I want to create a a machine that not only can solve a problem, but once it solves the problem, figures out what to do next. I'm like, that's, that's what our computers do now. I'm like, that's, Mm. he's inventing a computer. And like, sure enough, it's the great, that great, like, post line of the thing that it's like, you know, uh, Turing machines, you know, got invented, blah, 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 as we call it now today. Computers. Computers, and I think people even maybe laughed at that because it was like, "Oh shit, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair call. That's that's what a computer is." Yeah, uh, which is is really cool because you that, and it's that line. I think that um, it's interesting. I was talking to my dad about this about the disconnect between the history of World War Two and our current generation. So as in. It's a long time ago. It's like two gen, two or three generations ago for people our age, and then. So that's a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's like grandparents that maybe fought in the war, um, as some of mine did. And so there's like the intellectually knowing that, then there's the difference between really appreciating it and having an emotional connection to it. Uh, so that's that's an interesting thing in that. Uh, on one on one hand, we can appreciate, oh well, wow, like because of what Alan Turing did, saved what 14 million lives, two years of the war, all that sort of thing. So that's amazing. Um, and we can, I think we can grapple with that on an intellectual level, on a numbers level. Emotionally, it's probably harder to connect with. I, I, like, I find that just because it's so long ago and I, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's three worlds away from what I know.
1: I, uh, I really liked that they showed that dimension of the story that there were lives essentially that they had to sacrifice purely, that they knew that these ships would be sunk. But in other words, they needed to sacrifice those ships.
0: Yeah. I don't know if that was creative license with one of the guys. Oh, no, that
1: was true. Because really? well, this is the thing is that um, my uh, girlfriend's grandfather, uh, New Zealand, and he, World War II, uh, and when he came back, he did his own MacGyver research kind of, you know. And back then it wasn't Turing machines, you understand. It was It He was going into libraries, flipping through books. I don't know. Um, newspapers, you know, old, you know, requisition for. I, I don't even know what he's going through, but mm. he, he managed to find out this ship full of Anzac soldiers. Uh, and the British knew that it was full of right, Anzac right. soldiers. But, also, yeah. But they had to sink they, their own ship. Or they had to sink that ship full of, of their own people. In order to, yeah. you know, maintain the pretense kind of thing.
0: Um, I don't mean that the fact they had to do that was creative. Like, that's, yeah, that's a give it. Well, the fact, the very fact that it was the guy working on it, I don't know which of the characters, you know what I mean? Oh, I, I'm and with it was you. his brother. Like, they yeah. seeded that early on, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. They should give us that little detail, and then sure enough, it pays off. Yeah. So, yeah, I, but absolutely. That was, that was a big part of it is that they couldn't, it was, uh, I, and I really liked that because it was one of those things where, um, this is similar to Gone Girl. How You know how, like, Gone Girl is, like, the first half of the movie is where is she, what's happened to her, is she really dead? And then it kind of turns into this whole other thing? hmm That's what I really like Imitation Game, because it's- the first half is can they crack it, will they crack it? Yeah. But then we're not done. Like, this is not the movie. This is not the whole story. The whole story is- we've got to keep it secret and we actually got to use it properly. Yeah. It wasn't just flick a switch, it works, we've won the war. It's how do we now win the war? Yeah. Uh, and so I thought they did that really well. And I like that, obviously, there's not a, a lot of maths, you know, and a lot of computations and all that sort of thing. But I think they gave us enough of a taste of it. I think the, that scene where they explain, it's that moral dilemma versus, like, the logical... Uh, kind of Cal- standoff Calculating yeah, yeah That I think was dealt with really well and that made me my, my, my nerve brain kind of zing a bit I'm like I get it it's, it's amazing it's yeah. an incredible conundrum to be incredible and awful uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like obviously absolutely terrible uh, and I'm sure it's probably something that is is taught these days in, in all sorts of you know international relations and maths problems and everything it's both it's a, mm. it's a, conflation, a conflation it's both of them at once Um, But that that scene really uh, tickled me in terms of it, it didn't dumb it down for, it was like, balls out, this is the problem.
1: Yeah, here, here are our balls
0: <laughs> Here are our balls Which <laughs> one will you sacrifice so to, save, to save the body
1: and The lefty <laughs> I never liked lefty um, this-
0: <laughs> hangs so much lower like it's better than everyone else
1: <laughs> Screw you uh, uh, there- I think we've just
0: been disrespectful
1: uh, Well yeah I, I, I was talking strictly balls I, I'm <laughs> certainly not referring To any hypothetical um, <laughs> I, I reckon Benedict cabbage patch was fantastic <laughs> as and 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 we were talking about this and I don't know if we both arrived at this idea independently yeah but he's kind of putting on a voice and it's a little bit cuz obviously he's that kind of character he's withdrawn he's isolated you know he's an independent introverted kind of guy mm-hmm. he's a geek
0: yeah
1: in the best possible way it's um, so,
0: literally the best yeah. possible way
1: <laughs> um, and he's putting on a bit of a geeky kind of voice and and we would t- I, I was talking I, th- I think you had the same thought, which was how incredible it is performance wise that you can put on this geeky voice and yet your voice still have this incredible presence.
0: Yeah, it just Benedict's voice is just amazing. Uh, and of, of course, we talked about this in the Star Wars trailer episode—the fact that like people were stuck here for yeah, yeah. being the voice in the Star Wars trailer. Um, yeah, well, exactly what you say. Yeah, it's just uh, that that like presence of voice—it it, it kind of rumbles you and has this amazing uh, depth to it, and yet it's still like the oh, I'm a bit. Gay. And that's that's interesting. You talk about like like that geeky character that he kind of had going, and it was um, that amazing. I mean, just he inhabited that character. And the way that which Benedict can still be Benedict on stage and and just tweak it a little bit rather than, I didn't feel like he was a totally different person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're still mm. like, I'm looking at Benedict, but he's a different person as opposed to I'm looking at a different person. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. In terms of his acting?
1: I'm looking at uh, Alan Turing through the lens of Benedict. Right,
0: right. Um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Um, but also I think it's interesting that and i don't i'm i would be curious to know kind of what research they did into this and stuff in the clearly they they they're suggesting that Alan had some developmental issues socially and whatever, mm-hmm. but it kind of goes undiagnosed so i'm I'm assuming in Alan's life he maybe was never diagnosed with something, but there's clearly there's a strong suggestion there it's it's like it's the misunderstood genius kind of thing, but along with that, well, what was he you know whether whether it was something like on the autism spectrum or something like that. Um, I'd, I'd imagine that from what they uh, portray in the movie, a uh, sort of a psychologist or whoever is, you know, would know more about this. Could take all those traits and say, "Oh, they're, they're portraying a certain sort of disorder there or something."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm assuming that's. You, did you get that yeah. same oh, same yeah. feeling? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I don't know what it is, but um, which I think is also interesting because it's like, was that again? Was that creative license? Um, to kind of, did they, for them, it's an interesting process in terms of a historical story, because in my head, what I'm guessing happened is, they probably have all these accounts and all these books, uh, I think it was based on a particular book, Alan Turing, The The Imitation Game, uh, where they'd kind of take all these accounts about him, they'd probably infer from that egg type of social disorder and then Benedict would then put that into his performance. You know what I mean? So yeah, it uh, it's yeah. kind of goes back and forth. So it goes from text to inferral back into the new text, which is the movie, and then from there the audiences will then infer again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And whether
1: <laughs> like I mean, that's the logical scientific end of the spectrum, and the other side would be the emotional, which is, you know, if if Benedict were to come from a place of not, and I guess that's a question for Benedict uh, Cumberbund more than anything else, whether he comes from the scientific, you know, this is the closest we can get to reality or whether he comes to the emotional kind of, this is how I feel, you know, in, in terms of how an audience needs to sympathise with this guy, mm. you know, he needs to be a certain level of disconnected and and this is the way I feel I can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting, like, through the- and I don't know. I'm not, you know, experienced enough to really know this, but it's interesting through the ages of cinema where we've had different portrayals of what is meant to be a social disorder or a mental handicap or whatever it is. Uh, and it's kind of back in the day, what was portrayed as, like, in Hollywood as a, was just, like, way off. Like, no one is actually like that. Mm. Uh, and I feel like over time it's, like, people- Playing something a bit more realistic to how yeah, yeah. people are, but still, I always—it's uh, always a little bit of a grain of salt. Like, were they actually like that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: But I—I I left this cinema. I love Alan Turing now, and I—I I feel terrible for him. The good that he did. As a, you know, and weigh that up against the good that he was given, which was not that much yeah, good. He was the, given a lot of hassle. This is the great tragedy of the-
0: I mean, in theory, yeah. I was thinking about this in terms of the, like, the, the money. Like, I'm assuming those, those code breakers would have been paid handsomely. Like, surely. Mm-hmm. Although, Britain was pretty much broke at the time. Yeah. So it's that thing of I'm, I'd be very curious about remuneration-wise, were they paid quite well? Were they, yeah. you know, because they were left with nothing on their CV. They couldn't go and they had, well, they had to yeah. go back to their universities and be like, yeah. well, what have you been up to for the last couple of years? Oh, just, um, just doing some
1: doodles in uh, my maths <laughs> book. Well, the other side of it is, you know, follow the money trail. So, if their work is top secret, it's like, sorry, guys, we can't give you any money. <laughs> People see the money's going to you and uh, they'll say, uh, why? Yeah, well, I wonder whether
0: it was like they just had to earn a salary commensurate with what a radio manufacturing yeah. operation would have been. I don't know. Really interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, certainly the money. But at the end of the day, that wasn't really, you know, I assume they would have been given enough money to live. You would assume, you know. But. Uh, yeah, like, a, that's the great tragedy, and a lot, not a lot of, I, I, I kind of was feeling that towards the end, I was like, most biopics tend to a- end a bit more happily, right? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, milk uh, kind of ends a bit happily, right? I, don't, I can't remember now, I'm <laughs> just trying uh, to think, yeah. <laughs> wait, does he end up dying? I don't know. Uh, but I,
1: haven't, like, uh, I haven't seen it, but, but I think the real life stories doesn't not, doesn't necessarily end happily. Okay, maybe a bad
0: example. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 even if they end up dying, it kind of ends on a much happier note. It's kind yeah. of, it, it, it brings, the biopics tend to take you to the success.
1: Well, I remember Kiera, Ke- Ke- I remember Miss Knightley giving him the speech towards the end and um, and and thinking to myself, this is a nice, wonderful, happy place to end. Mm. But you, I can't imagine it like cutting to black and roll credits, and then the very next thing is the fire, the big fire, and they're throwing the papers. Mm. Out, and I think, oh, okay, that's that's good. And then the text comes up, you know, he was deeply unhappy.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is they try to give it a happy spin. Yeah. And then it's, yeah. But it's
1: like, well, it, it's good. They do respect his story. I feel. Yeah. And they, you know, if if he's going to have a rough time, don't paint it out, Sunshine Roses. You know, this guy was treated terribly and he did really cool things.
0: Well, can I, I just, and just quickly the whole, let's deal with that whole uh, kind of espionage uh, traitor kind of side of things. I, d- I wasn't convinced at the end that they were trying to tell us that he'd necessarily done anything wrong. Um, like the fact that it was the MI6 guy that was actually running the whole thing and, and leaking stuff to, yeah. I guess they didn't really make it clear whether, well, if it's MI6 doing it, is that fine? Or was this guy within MI6 doing something wrong? Was he being treasonous?
1: I, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it comes to, to me anyway, in the, in the lack of any other information, it comes down to character. And the character of the MI6 agent, Mark Strong, um, to me, he was on. He was a good character in terms of he knew what he was doing, he was on top of everything, he was playing. And, and the scene that I love is, you know, hey, we've got your wife, you know, she's, you know, we've, oh, fiancé or whatever. Mm. Uh, she's at the military base and whatever. And then at the end of the scene, I, actually, she's at the market. You know, I'm just screwing with you. Yeah. Uh, which is just, oh, kiss my fingers and explode them <laughs> outwards. But, um, like, at, at no point did I ever say, like, it, it it didn't seem to me that he was a character that was painting, you know, there's a problem with our intelligence officers. Right, yeah. It was more of a, you know, thank God we've got people like Mark Strong. Especially when everyone else is giving Alan Turing bureaucracy, you know, we want to fire you, we hate you, you suck. Mark Strong's like, hang in there, chap. I like the cut of your jib. Mm.
0: And also, like, but then even if you dial it back one to when he discovered the other guy was the bad guy, and then he's like, oh, you can't tell, blah, blah, blah. But then as soon as the MI6 guy confronts him, he's like, it was just this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it wasn't, he was kind of willing to put it on the line a little bit. Um, so I even like that for that brief, like it's for a scene's worth that you're like, oh, he's hiding his sexuality just to, uh, you know, and just, yeah, so that he can't rat out this guy. So I think it's fine. Um, I, 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 just, I sorry, I just looked up milk. He got, he got shot at the end. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Harvey. Um, that's not, that's not a good, that's name.
1: a good, not that's, for Harvey. That's pretty sad. I'm sorry, Harvey. Um, yeah. Well uh, what I enjoyed about it and and it turned out this is basically what Mark Strong asked Benedict Cumberbatch to do was uh not only are you working out the mathematics of what the Germans uh think we know and what the Germans don't realize that we you know we actually do know but they think we don't know but can you please also work out the mathematics, not only of what we tell ourselves that we can and can't act on, but what we can and can't say to the Soviets in a leak kind of, you know, yeah. like like these levels of onion kind of like, we know everything, but there are certain things that we want to leak, and so, you know, you need to figure out what those things are. Um, oh, man. Yeah. And uh, so th- that thought first occurred in my head that, uh, Benedict was going to take that on himself. So I w- at no point was I thinking, oh, this terrible man, like he's going to let the UK go to seed because of his, you know, he's trying to hire, he's trying to take care of himself. Um, but when the Mark Strong thing kind of makes that, solidifies that, that it's like not only do we already know, so you, you're good, Benedict, but also do you mind adding this to your to-do yeah. list? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there you go, Alan Turing, The Imitation
0: Game. Oh, yeah. With Benedict. Um... that Good old Benedict. Yo, oh, God, Benedict. Uh, <laughs> uh, trundle Gun. Uh, <laughs>
1: trundle Gun. He's my favorite.
0: Benedict uh, uh, Tindalun. Uh, Benedict's lumber batch. Um, all right, so uh, <laughs> thanks so much for bringing me along again it's to my another preview movie. My and absolute uh, pleasure. And uh, uh, can we
1: promote uh, what, what can we promote for you? Uh, tone, tone words at Twitter. Beautiful.
0: That's our movie autopsy for the imitation game. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to tweet at us, you can. We're at movieautopsy on Twitter. Uh, Please recommend us to your friends. If you like the show, if you like the movies, we're covering, dissecting, putting on the autopsy table. Then please let other people know. You can listen to us on iTunes, whatever app on your smartphone that you use to listen to podcasts. It's as easy as that. Our next movie is actually an audience suggestion. You can do that too if you tweet at us at Movie Autopsy. It's perhaps a lesser-known film, an Australian production. called Arctic Blast. See you then.